Azam lives in Somalia, and Azam's father is a brutal pirate warlord. And so Azam became a pirate too, attacking ships, stealing cargo, and killing witnesses. But Azam was also receiving dreams at night. Azam would have these dreams where he would see Jesus and hear Jesus say to him, Azam, I love you and I will forgive you of all your sins. And Azam would wake up longing to know more about this Jesus. But information about Jesus was hard to come by in his village, where if anyone even verbalized interest in Jesus, they were open to execution without a trial. But Azam's curiosity became so overwhelming that he eventually shared with his mother and his older brother his visions of Jesus. And when his older brother heard about it, he began immediately to beat Azam unconscious and then ran off to tell their father. Azam's mother revived Azam, packed him a bag and said, Azam, you must run or your father is going to kill you. So Azam fled to a nearby village where miraculously he received a Bible and began to read about Jesus and committed his life to Jesus. But that warlord father had spies everywhere. And eventually Azam received a package. And in the package was a letter from his father saying, you must return or you will be killed like your mother. And the package included photos of two men standing on either side of his mother who killed his mother by decapitation. And Azam was heartbroken, but he heard Jesus say to him, don't be afraid, trust me, follow me. And so Azam did. And it was with fearlessness that he approached the next crisis, which was he saw entering into his village the two men that he saw in the photo the two men who had killed his mother. He charged right up to those two men. And when they saw Azam, they pulled out their knives, sure that Azam was going to attack them. But Azam said to them, I'm not here to hurt you. I've come to forgive you for killing my mother. He said, I'm a murderer just like you two are, but I have received the forgiveness of God through through Jesus, through Jesus' love for me. And Jesus also wants to forgive you. Well, those two men, after hearing this, took off and left the village. But then sometime later, they returned. And when they saw Azam, they laid down their knives before him. And they said, we can't stop thinking about what you said to us when you forgave us for killing your mother. And then they said something that was shocking to Azam. They said, your mother said the very same thing to us before we killed her. She said, I love Jesus. And as he has forgiven me, I am forgiving you. And so right there, Azam was able to share what he knew about the gospel. And those two men committed their lives to follow Jesus. And now those three are together enjoying the adventure of sharing the love and forgiveness of Jesus in their villages. Three men, Azam and the two men who killed his mother, are sharing the power of the forgiveness of Jesus. It's a true story about the truth of the greatest thing. 
Jesus' love is the greatest thing. And part of what makes it so great is the power of the forgiveness of Jesus and his love. We're in the middle of a study of a description of God's love that is given to us through the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. And it reads like this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In our study of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, we've noticed that this description of love is uh, a 15-item list of uh, how God defines love. And uh, we've come to the part where we're looking at the three or four items that together describe how God's love forgives. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Uh, Let's get to the uh, heart of this uh, definition of uh, God's love and how it forgives by asking, what does that phrase mean? Uh, Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Well, we can start with the Greek word construction and the Greek words that Paul uses here um, refer to uh, kind of a a picture, a picture of an accountant uh, who is making a list of debts that need to be paid. And Paul is saying that God's love doesn't do that. That the God, uh, the, the love that God gives me and wants to flow out from me is not a, a love that makes lists for payback. Uh, it keeps no record of wrongs. And uh, of course, this phrase record of wrongs is not referring to a handwritten list. It's referring to the heart habit of holding on to grudges, holding on to festering wounds that come from uh, experiences where I have experienced hate or hurt or someone's offended me or failed me. And uh, you may say, I don't don't do that. Uh, I I don't keep a record of wrongs. Maybe so, but before you uh, claim complete innocence, let me ask a few questions. And uh, I think you'll notice that these questions come in two categories that are directly related to the words we've just been uh, reading here in 1 Corinthians 13. Let me start by uh, asking you, uh, do you keep a record of wrongs? And uh, a first uh, question uh, comes from this category of easily angered. And the question is, is there anyone you walk around the block to avoid. Uh, you know you're keeping a record of wrongs is uh, if you're in a Target and you see somebody who has hurt you in the past and you find yourself hiding in the sports aisle just to avoid that person. Or you're invited to a dinner party and you decline because you know so-and-so is going to be there. Uh, you know you're keeping a record of wrongs if you're trying to avoid certain people. Uh, the next question is, is there someone you can't think about without getting mad. And here uh, is that, that 
a possibility that we can come to that place where we will not allow ourselves to think about certain people because we know it will just cause our blood pressure to rise and rage uh, to enter into our minds. Or uh, there's uh, some cases where we want to think about a certain person because we get a rush of revenge fantasy where we start thinking about all we're going to do and all we're going to say if we can just give that person a piece of our mind. And uh, then there's two more. Uh, Is there anyone you refuse to communicate with? Or uh, is there someone who gets the silent treatment from you? See, if, uh, if I'm trying to cut somebody out of my life, it's a good sign that I am keeping a record of wrongs. Well, let's uh, go on to the next category. Uh, The first category is the easily angered category. The second category of questions has to do with delighting in evil. And the first question is, do you love hearing or sharing bad news about some people? Uh, If you secretly enjoy the idea of hearing some misfortune about some people in your life who you think deserve it, or uh, if you secretly enjoy sharing or uh, hearing some bad gossip about uh, people in your life, it's a sign that you are keeping a record of wrongs. And then the next question is, do you have a critical attitude towards some someone? And notice that uh, this is something internal. It's not uh, speaking it, but it's something that goes on in the heart and mind. And if you have that critical attitude towards someone, it's a sign that you're keeping a record of wrongs. And then finally, uh, do you find yourself talking negatively about some people? Uh, Jesus said that the words of the mouth are the overflow of the heart. And so if you're in a conversation and you hear yourself suddenly going into a a story with graphic details about someone who has hurt you or cheated you or taken advantage of you, and you hear yourself going on about this story, um, the words of the mouth are the overflow of the heart. It's a sign that uh, you're keeping a record of wrongs. Uh, Is there anything that rings a bell here for you? (laughs) Because it sure does for me. Uh, To the extent that I have anger lurking inside me, to the extent that I have a delighting in evil lurking inside of me, I know where it comes from. It comes from my conscious or subconscious keeping a record of wrongs. But I don't want that. I want to be able to forgive. And you do too. And I'm sure you're saying, I'd like to forgive but I can't. Uh, The wound is just too deep. I'd like to be able to erase the slate, but I can't for that person because I just can't forget. And I understand that. I understand how it can seem impossible to forgive the people in our lives who have hurt us. I know it can seem impossible. And that's why I need to hear stories like the story of Azam and Azam's mother. Because if in Jesus, Azam's mother can forgive her killers. If in Jesus, Azam can forgive the men sent to kill him, then in Jesus, I can forgive that coworker who lies about me. In Jesus, I can release my mom or dad for what they did or didn't do for me. I can forgive the ex-spouse that has ruined everything 
I can release the people in my life who have hurt me or have uh, brought uh, a level of pain in my life. Azam proves it. Azam proves that a person who has received the forgiveness of Jesus has the power to extend that same forgiveness to others. And Azam proves how that happens, uh, how forgiveness is rejoicing in the truth. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. Forgiveness is rejoicing in the truth. You say, what truths? Well, uh, forgiveness is rejoicing in the truth of God's agape love for me. Uh, We said last time that uh, Paul uses the same Greek word uh, over and over again in 1 Corinthians 13, 10 times over. It's the same Greek word that uh, the New Testament writers uh, dusted off and uh, used exclusively for God's kind of love. It's the Greek word agape, which stands for God's unselfish, others-focused, sacrificial love. But last time I mentioned how there's also one more element to the way the New Testament writers defined agape, and that is that agape love is also unconditional. Uh, Agape love is this unconditional love of God that I cannot earn and I cannot lose. As a The Apostle John writes in 1 John, uh, this is agape, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, See, God's agape love for, for me in Christ is this permanent love that cannot be altered by what I do or what I don't do. It's not based on behavior. Um, And God is calling me to share this same kind of unconditional agape with the people who hurt me in my life, to show the same kind of love to others. That is a love that they cannot earn and they cannot lose. Uh, Next, forgiveness is rejoicing in the truth that God keeps no record on me. In 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, says that the love that God wants to uh, show through me is a love that keeps no record of wrongs. And I'm able to do that because this is how God loves me. Uh, Paul uses the very same Greek word construction about uh, keeping no record of wrongs and applies it to God's love for me in his next letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul writes, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not recording people's wrongs against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. God does not record my wrongs because of his love for me in Jesus. And as I rejoice in this truth, I I can forgive others in the same way and be a love giver and not a record keeper. Uh, Next, forgiveness is rejoicing in the truth that forgiveness is reconciliation and not repression. We just read in that earlier verse that God has given us the message of reconciliation. He's empowered us as ambassadors 
of reconciliation. He's, uh, God's forgiveness is empowering. It's not making us into a victim, which is, you know, some people misunderstand God's forgiveness and thinking that, well, it means being a doormat. It means uh, letting people take advantage of me or abuse me. And I just repress the anger and I deny uh, the, the sense of pain in my life. No, no, no. Uh, God's forgiveness is the power of reconciliation where we can uh, speak the truth uh, in love, where we can speak the truth about how we've been hurt and sit down in a peace talk with someone and uh, not only share how we've been hurt, but listen uh, to them. And in the process, maybe work out a, a reconciliation with people. Reconciliation is not always possible on the horizontal level, but because of God's agape love that keeps no record of wrongs in me, I have the power to forgive where forgiveness is pursuing reconciliation. It's not repression. And then finally, uh, forgiveness is rejoicing in the truth that love is the greatest thing. It is so true that Love is the greatest thing, and it's what God is calling me to as a follower of Jesus. God is calling me to a life that is infinitely better than the life of holding on to festering wounds, holding on to grudges and the pain of the past. God is calling me to a life of freedom. When he calls me to release people in forgiveness, the captive that is set free, most of all, is myself. God is calling me to this freedom of forgiveness as a love giver and not a record keeper. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about how we can apply this uh, love of God that forgives. Let's talk about practical ways that we can apply the love of God that uh, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, the truth of the forgiving love of Jesus. Hi, I'm here with Steve Thorne, who is the chairman of our elder board here at BlackRock. Uh, he's a trusted spiritual leader and a fantastic Bible teacher, along with his wife, Sherry. And uh, Steve, we've just heard uh, a message about uh, this line from 1 Corinthians 13, how love is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Mm. And wondering if you could uh, help us apply this a little bit uh, by uh, discussing with me a few questions. And uh, the first question has to do with the uh, reality that even even those of us who are Christ followers, we can be slow to admit that we keep a record of wrongs, but we do. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to learn how to forgive like Jesus forgives us. And I'm wondering about uh, your process in this. What has what your process been like in learning the forgiveness of Jesus? Well, unfortunately, Pastor Steve, this is an easy one for me because before becoming a Christ follower, I had a very hard time forgiving. Mm. Matter of fact, it was a, a real issue with me. Uh, maybe it's because I grew up in New York City in the South Bronx in the Millbrook Projects. Mm -hmm. And uh, if someone did you wrong or crossed you and you forgave them, 
that would be viewed as weakness. Mm -hmm. And the last thing you needed to do in my neighborhood is be viewed as weak. Right. So it kind of put a callus around my heart in that, on, on that matter. But I think I had a natural bent to be unforgiving <laughs> because if, uh, if you were, yeah. and I saw you going across the street and a car hit you, I would think, it's about time. Mm. And I would say, karma, baby. Karma. <laughs> karma. Karma by a car. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and have no remorse. Yeah. And so when I became a Christ follower at the age of 28, it was one of the first things God had to set up shop and work on in my heart. Yeah. Now, there were other things, mind you. Yeah. That was one of the first. <laughs> right. And I think the thing that really set it off to make me realize I needed to change was a verse that I read. And it's amazing how when you open God's word, how it just illuminates things to you. Right. And this is the verse, Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Mm -hmm. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That's right. And, and, and it was like, it pierced my heart mm -hmm. because it really made me understand I was a hypocrite. Yeah. Because I was constantly seeking God's love, even though I didn't deserve it, and he kept loving on me. Right. And so if he could do that for me, for me not to be able to do that for others, you know, that was a problem. Right. So I really had to seek his, his heart to show me mm. how I could love like that. Right, right. Yeah, I love how you start off with... Uh, uh, the reality that you start with this hard heart uh, that, that doesn't want to forgive, no. but then how in Christ, he's teaching us how to forgive and uh, he's teaching us to want to learn how to forgive. Yes. And uh, yes. one of the ways that Jesus does that is by holding up a mirror before us. And I think uh, based on how many times Jesus told this parable, I think it's one of his favorites. Uh, Jesus told a parable of a king and a servant. And the servant owed the king like a gazillion dollars. And the king forgives the servant. And the servant leaves the throne room, goes out, tackles a guy who uh, owes him a couple dollars and beats him up and throws him in jail. And Jesus holds up that mirror and says, do you see? Do you see how incongruous it is to receive forgiveness from the Father and then go out and refuse to share that forgiveness with uh, other people in your life? Yeah. How ugly that is. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, he used that on me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm familiar with you, that you one. You knew well. that one, huh? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Well, but it, 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 Jesus gives it to motivate us to Absolutely. want to learn forgiveness. Now, Absolutely. just go back to the idea of what are other things that motivate us to learn forgiveness? For instance, uh, how does an unforgiving spirit drain us of life and drain love out of our relationships? Well, you know, you and I have talked in the past about the fact that uh, people look at life primarily through mm -hmm. three different lenses. Mm -hmm. There's a racial lens that yep. they look at life through. There's a cultural or ethnic lens that they look at life through, and there's experiential lens. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we come to know Christ, he expects us to have another lens to mm -hmm. look at life through. Mm -hmm. And really, that is a Christ-centered 
spirit-filled lens. Right. And we really have to seek and ask him in order to do that. Right. And so, again, you know, God has a habit of uh, teaching me lessons. <laughs> and so uh, I remember um, when Sherry and I moved from Syracuse, New York, to Boston, Massachusetts, we uh, became a, a, a members of a community group at the church we were attending in Boston, in the Boston area. And uh, the guy who ran it, uh, the, the leader, they called him shepherding elders. He was a shepherding elder. And uh, he was a guy, he, uh, uh, strong Irish heritage. Uh, he um, uh, grew up in the Boston mm-hmm. area, you know, born and raised there. And I guarantee you his experiences were nothing like mine. <laughs> and so uh, after about two or three weeks, it became evident that we had to get out of this group. Because I just couldn't stand couldn't this stand guy, him. right? But unfortunately for me, yeah. Sherry and his wife really got along. Right. And they're about 10 to 15, they were about 10 to 15 years older than us. So she also became a mentor to Sherry. Mm. And so this was a dilemma, yeah. you know? And so I went to God in one of my, you know, uh, uh, devotional uh, times. And I said to him, okay, what are we going to do here? Yeah. Because this is a problem. Right. And um, as I sat, you know, explaining to him why this wasn't going to work <laughs> out, I remember clearly, you know, his speaking to me and saying, what do you have in common? Right. Now, I know it was him because I wouldn't even think like that, right. right? What do you have in common? And what we had in common is that this guy, Jack, loved uh, to read God's word right. and try to apply it. Right. And I know I did, right? But more importantly, I know he loved the Lord. Yes. Even though we couldn't agree on anything, right. I knew that. Yeah. So I said, okay, God, I, I know what we agree on, so what do I do with that? He says, well, now you, you apply that through me. And so when we went back to the group the next time, I, I tried to do that. You know, Instead of kind of jumping on something he said, I would try to go through the Holy Spirit right. to give me words mm-hmm. that wouldn't be biting, but would at least show me, hey, this is a different perspective. Right. right? And so as time went on through the years now, this guy became a, a really good friend. As a matter of fact, um, growing up in the city, I had no idea as to how to fix things. You know, if something broke or went wrong, you yeah. called the landlord, <laughs> yeah. right? And so when something happened in the house, he was a guy who flipped houses, uh-huh. okay? So he knew what to do, and he would come on over, not just explain it, but if he thought I wasn't clear on it, he would come over and do it. Yeah. And yeah. so as time went on, uh, we really became fast friends with this couple. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, his wife passed away uh, about two or three years ago, and he's retired now mm. in Florida. But you know, every every time I, I get a chance on his birthday, yeah. you know, uh, we call and sing to him. And wherever we're in Florida, we <laughs> make a point of going to see him. Wow. And as a matter of fact, as as you know, God does things to let you know He's in it, right? Today is his birthday. You're kidding. Yeah. Really? And so we just called him before I came. Oh, and made sure that he knew, hey man, I love you. Oh, you that's know? Great. But if I hadn't looked at it through a Christ-centered, spirit-filled lens, lens right? right? I would have lost the enriching opportunity to have a friendship with someone who saw the world very differently than me. Wow, wow. And just think, I mean, there's a perfect example of uh, what we're missing when we miss the call of God in our lives to be those who are love givers and not record keepers. Uh, when, we, when we insist on uh, keeping a record and not forgiving, we're missing so much. It drains so much out of our lives and drains the love out of our relationships. And we would have missed so much, uh, in your case, uh, with Jack. Absolutely. And uh, what a great uh, example. Here's our final question. Our final question is, okay, all right, I'm ready to forgive. You've motivated me to forgive. How do, how do I do it? How do I uh, move forward in forgiveness? I think it really starts with our relationship with Christ. Right. 
you know, to, to love him so much that we want to please him, to love mm-hmm. him so much that we want to let him know, hey, I want to love you back. Yeah. And one way to do that is to do things in the way he would have us do it. And this whole area of forgiveness really has nothing to do with the person you need to forgive. Mm. It has everything to do with you loving Christ. Right. And so um, anytime we think we're going to go to someone and, yeah, okay, I forgive you and not really feel it. Or, or, it's yeah. because they may not deserve your forgiveness. Right, right. Okay? I mean, it right. really is true. They, right? And Probably so not. What, what you really have to remember is that you're not doing it for them. Right. You know, you're really doing it for Christ. Yeah. It's an, it's an outgrowth of your relationship yes. with Christ. Yes. Yeah. And, and really, you have to go and ask God, you know, go vertical, bring him in so horizontally when you're having that discussion. Mm-hmm. The words, maybe not even your words, yeah. but he's speaking through you because you're asking him to give you the words to reach the individual. That's good. And it's amazing when you trust him enough to do that, what he can do. That's right. Well, and, and what you're, you're drawing me into is uh, just for all of us, uh, when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness comes in two categories. Uh, there is the category where reconciliation with the person is really not possible. Uh, the person is deceased, uh, uh, it's geographically impossible or uh, not feasible due to uh, safety or other concerns. Uh, and when we're in that situation, forgiveness uh, really just means a decision to do what the Bible says. My, one of my favorite words for forgiveness in the New Testament uh, is a Greek word that means to just release, uh, to let go. And, uh, and it's just, that's what we can do. Even in a situation where a person is not available, we can release them uh, from payback. Uh, and sometimes it's helpful to write a letter of release Uh, You can do that, even to someone uh, who is not available to you uh, in this world. You can write a letter of release uh, that is just a reflection, as Steve was saying, of your relationship with Christ and what it means to release that person. Then the other category is the category where there is a potential of reconciliation. It's never guaranteed, but there's a potential of reconciliation. Uh, We can do a couple things. Arrange a peace talk where we get together with that person we need to forgive, share how we've been hurt, and then listen. Because listening is so important when it comes to these uh, reconciliation meetings because sometimes we've hurt the other person and we need to ask forgiveness. Second, use I statements and not you statements. Uh, It doesn't do any good to start uh, a reconciliation talk saying you cheated, you lied, uh, you drained all the happiness out of the world. Uh, We start with I statements and saying I felt hurt when or I I felt betrayed or I felt a degree of anger. And then finally, uh, we attack the problem and not the person. There's a point in a a peace meeting where you can uh, sense that there's a moment where you and the other person can attack the problem that separates you instead of the separation between you. And uh, as we do this, we can be those people who are love givers and not record keepers. And uh, Steve, I thank you for uh, leading us in this place of, uh, of application and wondered if you could just uh, pray uh, God's power and blessing over us as we close. Heavenly Father, how grateful we are that you, you love us so, that you cared enough um, to, to, to give us your spirit, knowing that we could not do what you would have us do if we could not do it through you. 
And I thank God, especially because of uh, the fact that we are a, a church that's becoming more and more multicultural, mm. that we must look at things through your lens. Because if we relied on the first three lenses, we may not be able to see mm. eye to eye. We may not be able to communicate. But when we look at things through your lens and seek to communicate, God, through that lens, there's no, no limit to how mm. we can love one another. So we just ask God that you can continue to watch over us, that uh, you continue to just, uh, just pierce our hearts with the understanding and knowledge that we need you to love in the manner that you would have us love. And we thank you in advance, God, for all that you'll do to grow and lead us to where you want us to be. It's in your holy, precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.